I'm Isabel. And I'm Ben. Welcome to Conversations in Company, a podcast from the charity Suicide & Co, here to make the suicide loss a little less lonely. We've both been on this journey for a few years. I lost my cousin to suicide in 2017. And I lost my brother to suicide in 2018. We really, really hope that we and our guests can offer you some companionship wherever you are on this journey. This episode's difficult questions. Yeah. Um, And... I think anyone going through grief gets will relate to that having difficult questions being asked at you and not knowing how to to respond but I think with suicide those the feelings involved the the triggers and and the just the whole subject is elevated um yeah. and I know from my experience like some some of the questions people ask you even if they are well meaning can just it just come down like a like like yeah. a ton of bricks on top of you and it's it's crushing it really is sometimes yeah it's also like the the confusion of like like how are you feeling like it even like the intersection of like both grief but also like guilt and um confusion and like I I had a lot of anger after my cousin died as well like you know all of those things and then someone's like how are you feeling and you're like uh fine and it that like that standard response comes out, but there's there's so much more than that, you know. And I will caveat this obviously with we need people to talk about this stuff, uh, and we need people to feel confident asking questions. Yeah. And and hopefully in this episode we'll go in and and almost help people be able to ask other people questions in a way that's not going to be triggering. But sometimes even how people asked me how I was was just like it made me question how I was doing. Yeah. So instead of being like how are you doing it? Is everything okay? It would be like, you know, I'd say no to coming out and they'd be like, let's get a walk in. Let's, how are you doing? And it's just like, "Mm, I'm being sort of judged for how I'm doing. And and even that can start questioning, questioning you. And you you forget that actually during these parts, and especially for me, like within the first year of you losing Sam, it was just, my brain was exhausted. Yeah. Absolutely exhausted. It didn't take much to, to sort of, trigger me to to then to then have a bit of a a crisis in my own head and obviously as a Brit we've talked about the weather and then for me it's just like I was so scared of upsetting someone else I'd internalize it yeah cringe my way through a response and then not stop thinking about (laughs) the question for three or four weeks if people ask me in that but particularly in that first year if people ask me how I was I'd be like yeah, like I'm, I'm not good, but I'm okay. Like I'm surviving. And it was like the times when it really came out, like I had a friend living in Australia at that point, And like at one point she, I think I messaged her back at like 3.30 in the morning. And she was like, what are you doing up at 3.30? It's like Tuesday night, are you out? And I was like, no, I'm just not sleeping. And it's that recognition that's like, just when someone sees the little chink in your armor as well, and you're like, oh shit, like, because I just was like, oh, I'm just not sleeping very well at the moment. That's just how my existence now is. But then she was like, why are you not sleeping? And I would be like, oh, I'm, and it was because I was up thinking about her. And like, it was just like, oh, oh shit, that's what's happening to me. Like, and so you realize it, like when someone finds the chink in your armor, then suddenly you're like, oh my God, like uh, I've, it's almost acknowledging in real time that something's really not okay. And I, I, you know, I realized that my, like my other cousins were also like not sleeping or like having like nightmares and all of those things. And it's, it's, 
it like it's not something you could admit easily to anyone who's not going through it I, I found I, I I agree and I, I think as well like there's so much pressure because we don't talk about grief enough as it is there's so much pressure to to grieve in the right way or to yeah. respond in the right way and and I remember finding myself in so many positions where I thought I was doing things wrong and sometimes even if someone wasn't actually asking me about something my brain would interpret it as you're doing it wrong or or you should be yeah. doing something else and then that just internalized itself again and I was just like oh, I'm not doing this right and then you know other people I'm sure we'll get into it were, were sort of using language that was quite scary um obviously what I went through with Sam was incredibly traumatic um the words you know PTSD was being was being thrown around quite a lot and I, I was yeah. quite scared of that so when people were like oh you're not you're not eating um, I'd be yeah. like, oh, am I doing something wrong? Should I be doing that? My diet, ah. Uh. And then and they would all just catastrophize. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to start, you know, whatever, getting even worse and needing and getting to a point where I can't be helped and all sorts. And it, it was really scary. Um, and it, and I we, we've got an episode in this series about um, physical responses to grief. But for me, yeah. these questions um, and, and these triggers, I described it to a, a therapist of mine as like a sting, like I'd been stung. And it was so, it was so physical. Like I could feel yeah. this immediate, like someone had just pushed into my chest. Like the breath would leave my yeah. my lungs. I'd feel here on my face, just under my eyes, on my cheeks, get red and hot. Mm. I'd, I'd, my shoulders be, it's such a, such a physical reaction. Yeah. It was honestly like I'd been stung. And, and for the most part, the people asking probably won't know they've upset me. Uh, and obviously we'll get more into, into how we respond to these later. But yeah. for the most part, someone would be like, oh, for example, how did, how did Sam die? Yeah. Um, or, or like, oh, it was suicide. Oh, like, what, what did he do? And that was so triggering. And I could feel it. Oh, all of my face and my lungs and I was like it was complete fight like fight or flight response but the other part I'd probably brushed off being like oh I'm not really comfortable talking about that and yeah. then sort of be really awkward and then oh, not be really able to have a conversation I've for... told people because I just I'm like I can't even be there's something really funny about like if you say if someone says how did, how did she die or how did she do it and then, like, if you go, oh, you shouldn't ask that. I might, what in my head, I'm like, you shouldn't ask that, and you shouldn't. But, but then that can feel so challenging to someone who's not. It's probably not a bad person, but you don't want to necessarily be like, oh, you shouldn't ask that. Never ask that to anyone else ever again. And I'm not going to talk about it. It's so, it's so fucking blunt that, like, I. Sorry, I don't know if I'm I should be swearing or not, but it's so blunt that, like, you don't. Um, you don't necessarily want to let all of that out. But so then you're like, oh, uh, I don't want to talk about it. And I also don't, I'm really aware that my cousin used the same method that her friend did. And so I like, there's this whole copycat thing that I don't want to also like um, perpetuate. Like, and so I, I wouldn't want to be like, oh, and it's also, it's so dark. I don't understand why people want to know. But I think, Part of the reason people ask is it's such a difficult thing to understand, I think. Yeah. Um, and and so when we say suicide, people know so little about suicide. It's almost like, and? Go yeah. on. Um, because it's so difficult to understand. Like if, if I don't know, we if I said, oh, my brother, you know, he died. And they were like, oh, how? And I went, oh, it was cancer. It'd be like People understand exactly. how it works. If I go suicide, yeah. they're like, what was happened? What happened? What was he going through? Oh, how did he do it? And it's, it's almost because it's such yeah. a confusing thing for so many people. Um, 
But then again, the question that is is so unnecessary. It's yeah. so unnecessary. I also think there's a bit about, um, uh, and I don't know whether I'm over overthinking this. I think there's something like cancer is almost like an innocence. It was like, oh God, they were young. Oh, oh, it was a really course and pancreatic cancer, like breast cancer at that age is really, really like aggressive and blah blah blah. Whereas because suicide, it. <sighs> there's just a little there's extra layers of like what else was going on in that like or and I guess in the same way that like if you said if you said that someone you knew had lung cancer the first thing that that the first thing that people will ask and I'm not saying it doesn't come into my head is oh did they smoke like precipitated that response and I, 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 I sort of get it I just I think I think it's partly also this like we're quite used to having quite a lot of trauma porn given to us, like on, like in news, on social media, and like, um, like being like given access to like bodies and blood and like stuff. And so people go like, okay, fine. Like I see what I see, I hear the death, and I want to see the visual in my head. Like I I need that to like understand it. Yeah, I ha- I had someone ask me in a like at a work event because I so because I wrote my show about it and I said oh they were like oh what's your show about and I was like oh it's about grief and my cousin's death she died by suicide and I'm I'm so open about it now because it's been a while and um I just remember this girl I worked with going like oh how did she do it and I was like we're in a bar like <laughs> leave me be yeah <laughs> Yeah. Oh, um, that's so inappropriate, yeah. especially with someone at work, because you don't want to, you know, so many people with the different power dynamics, you don't want yeah. to then upset them by going, oh, that's not, you don't ask that question because yeah. then you've just driven a nail through future conversations yeah. that are vulnerable. Right. Um, and, and so you, you, again, we go, go resort to the classic Brit where we're like, oh, I'm just going to say it. Yeah. So I, now I'm much better at just turning around and saying like, I, I don't talk about it. Like, yeah. So, sorry I don't and, and I I'm trying to stop myself from saying sorry when I'm not sorry mm. anymore which is um as a Brit it's quite difficult oh, but it's I do so hard isn't it yeah but also uh, in that moment I've just found that that's the easiest way of just excusing myself and just being like sorry I don't talk about it yeah. even though I'm not but I just want to be like okay what's the easiest way for me to back out of this conversation and not feel uncomfortable myself and not feel com- like not let them feel uncomfortable either so I'll say that, and then I, my default is to resort back to the conversation we were talking about before we were talking about this, or just go on to, like, cheese, or, like, holidays, yeah. or, like, you know, just literally go to the <laughs> nearest easy thing, like, weekend, Saturday, uh, yeah. you know, some, something, football, and anything that's like, okay, let's get <laughs> yeah. a really solid, like, response from someone, you know? Yeah, and just move the conversation on. I love that image of you be, of you being asked how did how did your cousin die and replying with, "Do you see the football?" <laughs> or how was how was your holiday? Yeah. No, also, like, <laughs> what a what a conversation handbrake also, handbrake yeah. turn of a conversation. I also there. like really lean into it though. I'll be like, "Oh, sorry, I don't talk about that." Anyway, um, so anyway, <laughs> yeah. anyone watch the football well, on the weekend? Much... <laughs> anyway, cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. so then we go again we try Very again awkward. um no 
<laughs> look the best the best response is just like just lean into yeah. it right um make it funny but no it's i'm i'm absolutely if that question comes up any difficult question comes up i'm almost apologizing in advance for yeah. like making them feel awkward and i oh, just it's so difficult isn't it because i'm like on the one hand i really don't want them to feel awkward about asking me stuff because most stuff i'm pretty much an open book with yeah. and i'm quite happy to have a conversation with people about and I'm worried that making it awkward then just, especially if it's someone close, I'm going to see often, then becomes this thing. And then it's just going to be awkward that they don't want, they're trying to. And the worst, the absolute worst, the most awkward and awful conversations you can have with someone is when someone's obviously trying to ignore yeah. it uh, or pretend not to know. <laughs> and you're just sort of there and they're just, you can watch their brain just sort of going what is left to talk about yeah um <laughs> and you're just like it, it's fine genuinely ask me how i am and ask me what's going yeah. on and and stuff i can talk about it so i i think i apologize and i'm overly lovely to people because i'm like i just don't want you to feel so awkward asking me this that it, it becomes a thing when it's not yeah. um so yeah i'm i'm a i'm a i'm so bad for being like oh sorry i'm i'm actually really uncomfortable saying yeah. that but i don't think that's such a bad response you know like i'm really sorry it's not something i'm comfortable talking about yeah. i just remember someone coming up to me and um i was probably notoriously loud and I just had this guy from another team, like a bit further along, come over to me and was like, hey, what's up with you? Like, you you are not your normal self. You're not in all the time. And you've just been really quiet recently. And I was like, um, yeah. And I'd, I so my cousin had died, but also I'd had like a couple of other deaths in the like three months before. And I said, I said, oh, to be honest, I've had a couple of family deaths. And um, my cousin died in January. And I'm, yeah. And he just went, I'm never asking you how you are again. And I was like, well, I mean, there it was. Like, I'm literally at rock bottom. Like, yeah. I can't, I'd love to cushion my pain for you, but I can't even cushion it for myself, so. Yeah, and that sounds like the restrained answer yeah. as well. I know, yeah. I was like, I managed <laughs> yeah. to hold back tears there, like. So how did you, how did that, did it feel awkward going forward or did it sort of, did it, just iron over um, it quite quickly afterwards? I think or I, did I, he ever ask you how I you were doing again? He never how it was again. Um, <laughs> No, I think, so I really struggled because I knew, my, so my boss knew and the people who sat next to me knew. And then also I was off sick for six weeks. I got signed off sick from, um, I was sleeping so badly and having such disturbed dreams that a couple of my friends like forced me to go to my GP. So I had to like, I, I was like, I'm not, I'm not being signed off sick. I was like, I'm absolutely, that's not happening. I like, I'm fine. And then about a week later, I was like, oh, oh, actually, I, I think I need that time off. So I took the time off. I said it to my boss. I was like, this is what I'm going to have to do. I like, I'm just not okay. And, uh, and then I came back after six weeks and he hadn't told anyone that I was off sick or, or given any like hint. And six weeks is just the right amount of time for people not to fully notice that you're like, Oh, it's like, it was also over Easter. So it was like, okay, we're not really sure where she's gone. And I just came back and someone was like, you've been on holiday. And I was like, no. And she was like, Oh, have you been doing an acting job? And I was like, no. And she was like, oh, what? did you just have some time off? And I was like, yeah. And you could see her just being like whirring. And then people would be like, where have you been for six weeks? Like, what have you done? It's well, we ran out of notebooks. What's going, like, what, what's wrong? And I'd be like, uh, and I, how do I, how do I tell them that I've been, at, like, and also being signed off sick for mental health reasons when your cousin's just died by suicide as well. People are, people are very like, Oh yeah. Is she okay. Like, yes, I'm, yes, I'm like fundamentally I'm fine. 
but no, like I'm absolutely shit. Yeah. Like, All their basic yeah. level yeah. first day trainings, just pinging. Yeah. They're like, ah, <laughs> we've got to get a cup of tea in. <laughs> <laughs> Someone boil the kettle. But but then again, like it's those little comments because I think this obviously this episode is about difficult questions, but so much of it is actually the difficult part is the little comments or the yeah. the looks like oh six six weeks for just time off yeah. and like it just judgy and and it just makes you feel makes you feel different and I don't know about you but when I was in the depths of my grief and trauma, all I wanted more than anything was to feel normal again. Like when I went home, everything was. Uh, it was you know where everything happened for me my family where it was it was all just a bit of a mess right so when I was going to school I was desperate for for something fun happening or when I was going out with it was I just wanted it to feel normal again and and you could just see and this is I'm obviously very thankful for this now but it was difficult at the time like people just you could notice people staring at you or notice people just sort of the look on their face wouldn't be enjoying they'd be just you could see them just sort of trying to work out whether you're okay or not. It was like, honestly, it was like going to, to school or being around like l- hundreds of Houdinis or or like, um, who's that guy on Netflix, that, that hypnotherapist man that's got loads of Netflix things that's always hypnotising people. It felt like that. Like I was just in this, and I remember, especially the, I mean, especially the first day of school, I, I went back quite quickly because I was so desperate for... Uh, for something that wasn't what I was going through. I mean, I've I, I've always absolutely hated work and like schoolwork and like learning and all of this, right? And I, I honestly, I, yeah, right. Let's cheers to that. I um, I emailed my physics A level physics teacher and asked for past papers and extra work. I mean, how out of character is that? Um, and so I was so desperate, and I literally I walked in. I went to school quite soon after it happened, and. You'd walk in and so where we walked to school, there would be like this crowd of people in the mornings before lessons started. Uh, it felt like, and probably, it probably was true, uh, everyone was staring at me. Um, and it was just awful. And it was just like, oh, what am I doing? Should I be here? Should I, it, what, how do I, how do I look? What's my face like? What am I, you know, what's going on? And then I'd try and overcompensate to make them feel good. So I'd be really happy. And then I'd get comments like, you don't seem like, you don't seem too bad. And then I'm obviously really, really bad. But then I'm like, oh, it's working. So I get further into that. And then, it just, you know, I was really struggling with how I'm doing grief and how it was going. So getting comments like, oh, you don't seem, you seem like you're doing okay, just made it even worse. Because I was like, oh, I'm really not doing it well. We're hiding it right now. But like, uh, I mean, aren't we all masking at some, at some level? Like, of course, I seem like I'm doing fine now. I'm here in front of you. Like, it's that thing of like, people go, when people say like, I think... I, and it's almost like they they want it to because it, by saying you look like you're doing okay or like it seems fine it's like okay can I can I stop feeling I think it, for them and I'm, I'm not judging at all like it's everyone's got to look after themselves and I think we're not given the format for how to have these conversations but like for them they're like oh I think they're okay so I'm, I don't want to delve further right now and I don't want to like you know poke the sleeping dragon or whatever like at that point I'd be like yeah good and move away like anything I can do because if it's awkward if I'm feeling awkward from it I don't want to make them feel more awkward but I also don't want to like make myself feel worse and so so often now if it's a conversation about how I'm feeling and it's not someone safe I'm just like right back out of it like you've touched on something really really I think crucial here is that we talk about difficult questions but so much of the time 
it's it's not about difficult questions it's about questions in a difficult place um and a difficult situation like actually when i think about the questions that have really impacted me and triggered me yeah they've been sometimes inappropriate but most most of the ones that have been quite difficult to to uh, to get back to or to sit with have been because someone's asked me in the pub yeah. or like asked me in front of all my friends or said something in in public or somewhere I'm not safe or somewhere you know I'd started uni a few like six seven months after Sam died yeah. and obviously at some point they all found out what's gone on oh. and I think I got asked in just before a night out yeah. I'm like mm, not great <laughs> not great timing and I think actually what like it, from two points parts here like if you're if you're asking someone a question make sure it's somewhere they feel safe for me yeah. like I'm an absolute biggest advocate for two things a walk yeah because I think that's two people on a walk obviously maybe not in November December January where it's disgusting weather but two people on a walk where you can sort of stand next to each other it's non yeah. it's not you know you're not staring contact. at someone yeah. it's not yeah it's not clinical that that for me I've opened up more walking in my life than I have ever ever anywhere yeah. else um I think it's really important but also just a cup of tea somewhere private um yeah. give someone a nice warm mug to hold in their hands um and you'll be surprised how much uh how much you know you can get out of someone yeah. but on the flip side responding to questions that that you find triggering and difficult it's absolutely okay to be like I don't really I don't feel comfortable talking about it here but maybe we could go for a walk yeah in a few days or maybe we could just grab a coffee together and 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 find somewhere private to talk about this yeah but that's that's an absolutely fine response and and if I was asking someone that and someone came back to me with that response I'd I'd understand yeah. I'd be like no it's fine of course it's, it's fine also, we're in the middle of the office I am um, it was stupid of me to ask it I saw uh, my friend was staying with me for a week and she she lost her mum not to suicide but to cancer two years ago and she um uh, she said that like a whole group of her friends were talking about how she'd gone off radar, and like one of them had to be like, "Guys, she's just lost her mum." Like, like, and she said that people, people do, and we all know this. People do fall off. They stop asking about it, and they stop like so. As soon as you stop talking about it, as soon as you stop acknowledging you've gone through something quite big, you don't. People stop asking if you're okay, and I think that's when it's almost worse because you like I know when people stopped asking that's when I really like started like going into quite a difficult space and um it's also I found that like I've ping-ponged in and out of it and I, I went through quite a dark time again so mid-2019 so about two and a half years in and I don't know what happened I just remember just suddenly like like in a split second being like oh my god my cousin killed herself and I remember being like, oh, and that, right, we're back at the beginning again. And um, at that point, like, people going like, are you, are you coping? We've not heard from you. And you're like, I d it's, it felt ridiculous to be like, no, I'm, I'm really not okay. Like, I, like yeah, answering that and just going like, I don't know what's happened, but I've just had this whole new wave of grief and this whole new wave of darkness that's like repeat like essentially repeating like trying to explain that to someone I just I like I still don't know how to like with hindsight now I can turn around and like go oh that's what that's what was happening I don't know what that was or whether it was like triggered from something else I mean I sort of, I sort of do know what triggered it and it was another conversation about suicide and um but I like trying trying to work out like someone saying how are you when you're still 
God, and I'm I'm nearly seven years into this, and I think to myself like I'm I, I'm a very different person, and I experience it differently now, but it's still such a huge part of my like core, you know. But I think so much of when we think about why these questions are difficult, it's because they are triggering us in some sort of way. Either we're uncomfortable in the situation or it's digging into an insecurity or it's digging into a subject that is that carries huge trauma. Um, and so so much of dealing with those difficult questions is understanding why they're triggering us um, and, and understanding like where it's coming from and being compassionate to ourselves that that it is triggering those things if someone asks how did your brother die immediately as I say that now the image of it all comes into my head of course it's going to be triggering of course it's going to make me feel bad the the problems arise and the problems at least you know I definitely struggled with was when my reaction wasn't of course I feel like this it was why am I being so ridiculous like it's just a question just answer it and as soon as it becomes that that negative feedback from my brain it's that just is the cycle um so look we've dedicated the podcast episode to difficult to difficult questions right it's it's really normal as well of like answering like answering response truth like hiding like in the the immediacy of it like if it's in an email like you can brush over it but the immediacy of someone being in front of you or like on the phone going like how are you like oh what happened like how was that um I also I struggle with like how like when they hear suicide like was she ill like I don't know if you've had that but there's no end to that conversation because look take Sam for example oh what was going on well he had clinical depression oh why how did that come about and you know I, I I've been very lucky I've got a very very privileged life so you start talking about clinical depression and most people go how and you're like what well, then we're like well this is my day job and I really don't want to talk about it um <laughs> and and it just it's this it's this feeling of this awful things happened in our, both of our lives and in so many of the lives of people that are listening and it it when it happens it completely engulfs your entire life it saps all the energy out of you and you have very very little energy or patience left to deal with sudden unexpected triggers that are are causing pain again you know all of us have been through something that that really has changed the way that our brain interacts around certain subjects and of course like if something comes up that's that's triggering it makes so much sense for your brain to to want to protect you by just throwing out the emergency procedures like fight or flight i mean what i described earlier classic fight or flight breath up here short breaths mouth open red in the face like it's all fight or flight it's all it is doing is your brain being like we've gone through something awful someone has given us an, an unexpected little in little sting of pain our brain goes absolutely off the handle and goes we're throwing it all out fight or flight we can't deal with this and that's that's the that's where that fe- feeling of discomfort comes from all it is is your brain trying to protect you and obviously you know we can talk as much as we want about people not asking these questions but inevitably in life we're going to have people um say things that are triggering you know suicides on the news a lot that can be incredibly triggering for people as well so i think what a question to you isabel from me is like well like if we can't change being triggered by certain things how do we 
actually cope with it. So when you had these people in the office grill you about <laughs> why you weren't laughing and <laughs> where you've been, why you haven't been on some gap yard for six weeks, um, how did you? <laughs> how did you? How do you cope with that? How do you not run to the toilets and have a panic attack? Every conversation and every like every tra- like interaction with someone is like a transaction of energy, and so I learned that like the way that you can change. Sorry, this is the most cuckoo thing I'll say. Like out there, like hello, I trained as an actor. Um, so if it's all a transaction of energy, so like someone is looking at you and asking you for something, and you're giving it back again. So firstly, I learned to do like these little cushioning things that would give people a little hint that like not everything's okay. And so um, people would be like, oh, I'll be, like I said it to someone once and I said, they were like, oh, have you, they, later that year, the first year, someone said to me like, oh, are you not acting anymore? Like you haven't had time off for any acting jobs or anything. And I was like, um, I just remember turning around and I was like, no, I said, I've had quite a difficult year and um, my heart's just not in it at the moment. And he goes, oh, oh, what's happened? Which was actually quite, like, I guess, like, reasonably um, careful and also, like, sensitive. And I said, oh, well, my cousin died at the beginning of the year, so um, it's just been quite hard. And then he said, oh, oh, I'm sorry, how did that happen? And then I just took, I just learned to do this thing. I was like, just take a little, little tiny breath in and went, um... Just because as soon as you imply that there's a difficultness about this, like they're just, it kind of just gives them a bit of a like, oh, just preparing myself for a difficult conversation and be like, she died by suicide. Like, and just giving that, like, just so people, people kind of like recognize your little signs. And I like, I know that is rehearsed and I know it's inauthentic. Like from, it's just, I just was like, do you know what? This is how I'm managing this. And it, it works. Like, so if like, if people ask me how she died, that's how I'll do it. And I'll just like really, really like, and almost I'm happy being like full voice, like out there all the time with everything I say, but just acknowledging that there's a politeness within our culture and within our society that suicide is a difficult conversation. And so acknowledging that and recognizing that, respecting that and going, she died by suicide just gives everyone the like, oh okay okay yeah right yeah you're I'm and then you're giving it as a difficult conversation they can receive it as a difficult conversation I'm not saying that's right for everyone it's it for me it feels inauthentic I'd prefer to be like she died by suicide I don't talk about it yes she was very ill but like I'd prefer not to have a conversation about it would be my ideal I just have to acknowledge that like you know those those that's the kind of conversation I might have with people at a party actually like probably I'd be like do you know what you don't want to hear it like let's just not have this conversation and then that but like in a work setting I'm a little bit more like okay this is how the acknowledged like way of dealing with this is and this is how I'm going to do it like in the most polite business speak way like HR friendly like um and then if I'm out and about like and I can just shut the conversation down and I will like oh god I will have deep conversations with people if I'm in the right mood and I feel like they're going to be receptive and not going to also like fall into a pit of depression off off the back of it but read the room read the situation read the like you know office gray office walls and give the greyest office answer that I possibly can that sounds like a I think it's very similar to my response I think like it's always good to get the breath, like a breath in, just because you want to immediately calm your response, your 
you're going to be heightened like everyone you basically my basic understanding of fight or flight is there's something called the vagus nerve and then you've got to you've got to this is my counselor's gonna i've absolutely butchered this but you've got to step that back up and the, a breath is a good way of doing it and i've always been told to to make a noise on the way out um <laughs> with a breath but this is a complete tangent by the way so when you do a breath you have to like ah <laughs> And that's that is a really good way of stepping the the vagus nerve back up and reducing those feelings of, of fight and flight. Um, but yeah, I think so. So my way of dealing with it is again like that little breath at the start. And I think a pause is really good because it sets the boundary without saying it that this is awkward. Um, so being like, oh, so if you were to ask, oh, how did he die? I'd be like, um, well, so it was suicide. And so that just immediately gives that immediate like, oh, this is off, off, off sort of a boundary here without being too obvious i'm like you i'd love to be able to be like oh, i was suicide but i'm you know it's not i'm not really comfortable talking about it but that's a really that can be a really overwhelming thing to then say because you're then admitting to having an insecurity which in this society is a really difficult thing to do um i'd say for me um moving the subject on is really important as well like we said earlier like, how's the weather or you know it depends on the situation if you're at work you could bring something up at work or if you're in the pub like like often happens with me if I'm meeting new people, yeah. um, I'll be like, oh, do you want a fancy drink? I'm going to go have a drink. Mm. Or cl- easy one, do you want holding my drink? I'm just going to go to the toilet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think um, for me, it's, it's then about if it continues, which it sometimes does and it has done for me in the past, it's about being like, yeah, t- to be honest, I'm, I've had a bad week or like I've just, I'm just not really in the mood to chat about it deeply. But um, but I appreciate you asking. Or I appreciate you being like interested or concerned about me. Um, and I think it's it's always good to sort of have your own boundaries and understand where your boundaries are and not just let people tread all over you while they're asking about it. Yeah, it's also like people, it's remembering that people aren't there to like catch you out or make you feel uncomfortable. And so much of it is well-meaning. And I guess also like the 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 like wanting to be also really like right on and comfortable about it. And like, I'm, I'm here for you. If you need me, what do you like? How, how do you feel today? And you're like, do you know what? I, I really, I do do want you to keep asking and I do want to be more present, but sometimes I just, I don't want to talk. Like, I just would like to be like, as soon as you start talking about the feelings then you're like, I don't, I don't feel normal at all now, you know? Or like compartmentalize the times when I can talk about the feelings and then be able to like go like, okay, and breathe and stop. Let me just have like back, had my head back. Yeah. You know what a, another diff, really difficult question is that just popped into yeah. my head that I get asked all the time and it's absolutely awful. And I'm sure in a, in a separate way you get asked as well is how many siblings do you have? Yeah. Oh, I absolutely hate that question. I absolutely yeah. hate it. I hate it. I hate it. It's awful. Um, I Every time someone asks me, and I still haven't really decided what my answer yeah. is, um, I either say t- one or I say two. My mum is absolutely yeah. steadfast. She's saying, she's saying I have three sons. Um, oh. And I just, every time someone asks it, I'm like, what do I say? I don't know. If I say one, am I dishonouring yeah. Sam? If I say two, they're going to ask questions and then realise I'm making up yeah. a random person that's not around anymore. And it's just, it's awful question. And I really, that's one I sort yeah. of have to just sort of just take myself off after and be like, I need to calm My down. I need to have some breathing. Is, um, and it doesn't happen as often, but like I'm 
so I just say like we're we're ten now, so we're ten cousins now, but one died, and like, and it, mm. the acknowledgement like oh we were so not not putting words into your mouth, but like we were three, but one died a few years ago, and then sort of turn away yeah. from it just, um, and I think uh, yeah that's it's really tough. I remember my mum's friend talking about. She was saying that her, not by suicide, but her son had died. And she said that she assesses every conversation. She assesses whether she says, I had three sons and one died or Mm. like, I've got two sons. Like, and just like kind of. That's what I'm doing now. And it's just acknowledging also, I guess it's just giving yourself a pass to like, for that to change for every conversation. Like you don't, you don't have to have the same answer every time. Like give yourself, I think my best advice probably is to like give yourself a few um a few responses rehearse them like literally in front of the mirror like i have like i've got i we were three siblings or we were three brothers and then and one died or like have that so that it comes out easily when someone asks and then you can just you can give it and move on so quickly and it doesn't become this you're you're giving yourself like the thought process and I think probably like with a sibling or a parent it would be different or like a child I guess is the other thing like but I I get quite a lot of and I think it's a I think it's a British thing initially I'd say oh my cousin died by suicide and people would be like oh were you close like and I felt for a long time I assumed that that was like people saying there was a judgment on how often I called her and like were you close did you feel responsible for her um, my so my family are quite close, and we we all kind of see, not not regularly speak to each other, but like I know, I definitely see my cousins a few times a year, most of them. Um, but and then I realised that for a lot of British people, they're not that close with their cousins. So if their cousin died by suicide, it would be a bit like oh, a distant relative has passed. Like, and so like, but for ages, I didn't know how to answer that, and like. And I personally think that if anyone you know has died by suicide, I think even if they're close or they're not close to you, I think it affects your head a little bit because you wonder if you hadn't called that person, if it's someone you lost touch with four years ago, I think there's a little bit of you that's always going like, oh shit, did I do something wrong? Like, oh, like could I have done, or maybe if I'd called them, or maybe if I hadn't lost touch with them, maybe, oh God, if only I'd had responded responded to that one message they sent me last year I know a few other people who have died by suicide and it's sort of eaten me up when I've thought about how little I contacted them in the last in the two years before you know not not badly and not in the same way as my cousin but like there's little bits of me going like oh ah like ick um so yeah it I think even if, if you've gone through a suicide loss and it's not your immediate family like and you're here listening and you're thinking god I, I feel a bit of imposter syndrome even with the guilt here like with the guilt or the grief going like I don't I shouldn't need to feel like this like acknowledge it if you feel it if you're experiencing it it's there and I think with a suicide particularly the, the extended like village of people around them like if you like if you've been close with that person like that you will that you will feel that hit like definitely I think such a good point to bring up that 
you know, it could be a colleague at work that you've barely interacted with. It could be it could be a celebrity, right? We see it all the time. People are massively affected by celebrities and, and often they can feel sort of like they don't have, you don't have, you know, you're not worthy of, of, of grieving or feeling like you're grieving through that. Um, and, and I guess it's just, it's just people's expectation of what is allowed, what's, what grief is allowed and what isn't. Um, when actually, you know, even something like someone you once worked with dying from suicide that can that can massively trigger us and who are we as a society to tell to tell people what should and shouldn't trigger you and what should and shouldn't cause grief uh, and i think it's absolutely it's absolutely wrong to suggest that people could have done more i mean any question that's asking people oh d- you know were you close insinuating that you could have done more to help them is completely unnecessary because you're basically fueling that that horrid um cycle of of guilt and shame that comes with suicide that look it was my it was my baby brother that died right like sam 15 i was 17 i was his older brother could not have been closer i mean he was literally his bedroom was above mine i lived with him for we had a happy family and he still died and and i went through years of absolutely horrific guilt and shame and we we were so close so so putting that on someone else and questioning their relationship i don't know i'm sure it comes from from making conversation but uh, it's so unnecessary and again this is this is why i think this is such a good episode for a podcast because we've got to give people the belief and courage to actually stick up for themselves sometimes and just be able to be like that's actually not a very that's not a great question to ask and just have those boundaries of like actually I'm really struggling with that at the moment so let's move on to something else or like, I'm not really comfortable talking about that at the moment and have the boundaries in place because I know for a fact that though those feelings of guilt and shame were made worse for me by the fact that I was constantly trying to skirt around the fact that I was really really struggling with it um and and these questions of like oh you're, you're coping really well or like, how are you coping so well? And I still get it now. Like, how how have you coped so well? Um, it, it it invalidates all of my grief, and I'm like, how are you coping so well? Is is almost always like you look like you're absolutely fine. What my hair is tidy, yeah. and I don't stink. Like, yeah, I yeah. of course, yeah, like, yeah. What were you expecting? Yeah, like you, you want me like, and I <laughs> I refer to that the time after she died, and I was off sick. I'm like, oh, I had a I had a breakdown, like. And no, it wasn't messy. And no, there wasn't like, I wasn't screaming in a pile on the floor. I had like, I I had clean clothes on. I talk about this a lot. I had clean clothes on every day. My makeup was done perfectly. My hair was tidy. You would not have known to look at me. Like there was no chance. And so like, yeah, sure. I'm masking. Like, of course I'm masking. This is a, comf- this is a society where we are not comfortable talking really about mental health or really about feelings or really like acknowledging and, and seeing when people are not okay. And so, yes, of course I looked fine. Like, of course I looked like I was coping. Like that's, that's a very different thing between like how, what I look like outside the house and like how I'm feeling when the light, when I get into bed, the lights are off and that's when my head's like free to like, just go like absolutely wild with darkness, you know? Yeah. hundred percent. I did a, um, I did a a show for TV once and they were, they were asking, it was quite in, it was quite in depth about 
you know, Sam and suicide and all of this. And as part of it, I had to do like a psych assessment with with this lovely psychologist. Oh, and um, they asked me, I know it was actually too, it wasn't too bad. It was basically like, are you sure you want to do this? And I was like, yeah. And they went through those questions. Anyway, they got they got to this really interesting point where they were like, what is, when we're filming, what's something that, that we can notice that you might when if you don't tell us you're not doing well what's something that we can notice in you to realize that actually we need to check in and I was like if I'm making if I'm excessively funny and trying to make yeah. everything funny <laughs> please take me to one side and be like what's that? are you sure you want to continue because yeah. I won't cry and I won't make a fuss all I'll do is make a fu- make a joke out of everything yeah if I'm uncomfortable I will laugh and I will poke fun at things and that's when I'm really struggling and it was just this one question I was like no wonder I look like I'm doing okay in the worst part of my life my response was that's a funny seagull or something stupid (laughs) like (laughs) and and so it's like of course people are like oh you're doing really well but my brain then heard you're doing really well and went I'm not grieving well enough and then unfortunately for me went I didn't love Sam enough. Yeah, it wasn't exactly. Enough. It was just awful in the cycle. Yeah. But anyway, that one question from the from the psychologist just made me think. I was like, that is that that's how you tell what I'm not doing well yeah. is if I'm consistently making ridiculous jokes. I also remember there was one I remember one day at work just like the thinking like, okay, we're getting towards five PM and I don't want to go home and be alone with my thoughts this evening. And I was like, right. And I remember thinking to myself, who can I make go to the pub with me? And then I'm going to tell some, like, and I, in my head, I could almost envision, like, I'm I'm going to stand there with a glass of wine telling funny stories and, like, it'll just be the centre. This is absolutely, like, how did I end up being a comedian? And, um, like, be the centre of attention, telling funny stories and making people roar with laughter. And I was like, and then, like, I'll go home and I'll be drunk enough to fall asleep straight away. Like, and I could just see it. Like, and then I, I do also remember that day being like, okay, no, now you do have to go home. Like, if that's what you're looking for, you have to go home and be on your own because that, that, that pushing towards alcohol and that pushing towards like, like being funny is not where you need to be. And I think that's that's the important thing of all of this is noticing in ourselves what's right, what's wrong, how we respond to difficult questions, what the feelings are that are causing it to be triggering. Um, and, and I guess it's that whole understanding that hopefully like this is why the podcast is around. So we can sort of guide people through those difficult different subjects that we've all gone through and hopefully try and build that understanding of of, you know, what this is we both we've all dealt with triggering difficult questions let's talk about it let's come up with ways of dealing with it hopefully we can help people deal with it better um and 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 sort of just build the understanding because i think suicide is so misunderstood it's so you know it's not talked about enough and and what happens is people that are dealing with it get so alienated that they're constantly questioning whether they're dealing with things in the right way or the wrong way but look this podcast is here to be like you and i have both been through this awful thing we've both individually had very very similar experiences and this is how we've dealt with it and uh and so yeah there's a lot to take away in terms of how to deal with these difficult questions but also I think it's worth saying there's a lot to take away around how to ask those questions um and and you know having been through bad things and being on the receiving end of difficult questions I think puts us into such good good roles a good positions as role models for this to actually go and and, role model (laughs) Role model. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not oh, a good role model. Go. Okay. 
I'm really good at that. <laughs> but I mean, like, in terms of if someone's struggling, like, we're not going to go into the middle of the office and be like, Isabel, <laughs> how was your holiday? Where have you been? <laughs> and actually, like, what have you been doing for the last six people, weeks, in fact? Yeah. You you were away for your mental health. <laughs> What's going on? I was Let's being a, a hot Let's mess. Thank you. Yeah, but if we can now go and like if we've got friends and actually introduce them to this is how we're going to talk about it and we're going to be restrained and we're not going to go full investigative journalism journalist mode into your life because you've gone through something bad. Yeah. Then hopefully we can start educating people that way and, and being role models and and making people feel comfortable because I think empathy is the biggest most important thing around deal dealing with this. Yeah. Um. And unfortunately, we've been through something that does allow us a scoop of empathy. That we can then um, yeah. hopefully use to be better friends to, to other people. And if that's not a silver lining to all of this, I, I don't know what is. Thanks so much for listening. Conversations in Company would like to thank ACAST for letting us use their studio, our wonderful guests, and all you listeners. Thank you for your generous support. Please do rate, review, and subscribe, or send it to a friend you think might need it. We'll be back with another episode soon. Thank you.